0: Hey everybody, my name is Alex and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now before we get into the podcast proper, I wanted to encourage you to go check out the podcast over on Instagram at our new Instagram page, which is not that new at this point. But um, it's still got a relatively low number of followers if you want to be in the first hundred followers. If that would would make you a day uh, of being in the first hundred followers for Lunchbox Radio, Definitely go check out the podcast Instagram page, which is Lunchbox Radio, all one word, all lowercase, underscore podcast. So that again is Lunchbox Radio underscore podcast. Definitely go check that out. And before we get started, I wanted to make like a blaring alert here. And that is because we are entering a themed month for the podcast that I just kind of decided on because I. My brain had half a second to think about it for once. And that theme is going to be spooky season. So, the reason why I didn't do like Halloween month or horror month is because spooky gives me much more room to roam. And you'll know what that means when you hear what we're talking about this episode. Um, but basically, it means Halloween and horror adjacent not necessarily horror focused and I'm sure that caused a bunch of things to pop into your head considering the world of anime but you'll be surprised I think as to what I picked to focus on and on that note let's jump right into what we're talking about this week and that is Zombieland Saga.
1: 叶えられるその鉄骨それが僕の決意過酷な
0: Now, in 2018, the show is "Zombieland Saga" was um, released. I believe it was it was the winter season, which was interesting um, because they do, they do a lot with winter and fall and bad weather in this show, in terms of the storyline, the the visual, the visual, the visual aesthetic of the show, and all that stuff. But before we get to Zombieland Saga proper, I want to talk about zombie media a little bit because uh, without a lot of like movement from the Night of the Living Dead to where we kind of allow zombies to exist now, you don't really get to something like Zombieland Saga. And I think that it's important. I think that this show is in conversation with things like um lollipop chainsaw with things like uh, warm bodies with things like um c- certainly it has visuals from things like World War Z in the um in in the in the opening but it's also one of my one of my secret favorite loves of anime genres and that is an idol show but it does a good job of blending the idol show drama and the zombie drama really pretty well and by using like by using being resurrected as a zombie this show essentially has a kind of time skip mechanic for some of its for all of its characters None of its characters are from, like, the only character who's from this, who's from 2018 proper, is um the producer, um, Itasumi Kotoru, the producer. All the other members are from, I think, at least 10 years ago. Maybe at least 5 years ago. But all of them are 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 taken from the past and brought forward. And when I say the past and brought forward, there's a character, I forget her name, um, Yuguri, who is a courtesan from like ancient Japan, from like Meiji era Japan. And she acts like it. And she's in this group of girls. She is feels significantly older than any other Than any of the other characters, including Tatsumi, the not the main character, our main character is Sakura, who we'll get to in a second. Um, but that's kind of what they use the zombie thing to do. They use the zombie, they almost use initially the zombie mechanic to just kind of pick and choose from whatever history period of history and idol history they want to pick from. um. But the, like, the zombie boom of media is kind of how you get this. It's kind of how, it's how you got something like Lollipop Chainsaw. It's how you got something like Warm Bodies. It's how you got something like World War Z. But the thing I want to talk about in relation to this is the film Warm Bodies, which is, which starred Nicholas Holt, and I forget who plays opposite him as his love interest, but it's a love story between a zombie, Nicholas Holt, and a human woman. And it's about, like, a zombie regaining their consciousness, like, re-becoming human. Um, And this... This allows for, A, a kind of, like, fun comedy, but also a love story and a kind of rehumanization of like zombies in a way that was not really done a whole lot before. I don't want to say at all before because it may have, but before that before that film. And that was kind of at the tail end of like the popular media zombie thing. You also have anime like um Sankaria is a popular zombie anime from the uh, mid two thousands. Um, that's the one I always think of because that's the one I always think of, but this show strives to combine like zombie horror aesthetic with an idol show and does it primarily as a comedy later on in the, in the first season, at least. They do it as a drama and more as a straight idol show. But for the first three episodes, it's like a joke a minute. Each episode is seemed after something and then they quickly move away from that. So our... Our... Our seven main our uh, seven main girls here are um Sakura Miyamoto who who we opened the show on um Juko Kano Te Yamada or the show called the the legendary Te Yamada um Saki Saki Nikaido Um I Mizuno, Lily Hoshikawa Um and then just Yuguri, which we'll get to why she's called y- Yuguri in a second. But these are all girls who have been resurrected from across the idol scene. There is a, a... Junko Kano is a popular idol, is a popular solo idol from the 1980s. I I Mizuno is a popular Is a popular kind of front girl for an idol group from about the year 2000, maybe. um, From from the year 2008. But our main character, Sakura Miyamoto, is from 2008 as well. But we open this thing with her, like, and this is really important the way they have the show has it opened because it just kind of like dumps you, dumps you in front of media res style Sakura. And she's about to start her first day in high school and she's like doing her best. And she's like, I'm going to make everything I want happen this year, this year happen. It's going to be my year. And she picks up a Manila folder that's her application to an idol group to like an idol factory kind of group. And I don't mean the group idol factory. I mean like, the kind of outfit that produces idol, idol groups is what I really mean. Um, because I really like the Idol Factory. I think is the name of an idol group. Um, but as she's leaving the house, she gets full on, absolutely, literally murdered by a semi-truck. Now, like a small semi-truck, like the small, I forget what's the type of truck that, hit the shit out of her at least twice in this show um is but she just gets she gets dead immediately and when the truck hits her they make it very clear that she's dead it's it's played for comedy it's fucking horrifying but it's played for comedy and then you just hear death metal screaming over it and cue the and cue the credits and then we smash cut from her literally going hard, going hard hit side of skull on the um, on the pavement as the truck drives away. I should note, and that's and then you smash cut to her face also on the floor of an old like English Japanese English though so like English style mansion. And she wakes up, and she like is beset by zombies. She's beset specifically by Tay, and Tay is unique in the cast because Tay takes the longest to like awaken. And what this show says is awakened is the first awakened zombie we meet is Sakura. Sakura wakes up, and she is at least you believe when you come back in on her. She is a white she's like a full person. She's got her full brain behind her. She can like she she thinks she's human until she sees herself and her, she sees her own reflection. And she's like, oh, I'm fucking dead. Because all these girls without their studio quality makeup on are like blue, cold to the touch, and stink like shit. And the and they do, they do they actually do interesting things with that concept of like they have to put on full head to toe makeup every time they leave the goddamn house. Um, it, as part of the second season, but we'll get to that and we'll get to that later. And the reason why they get full head to toe makeup is because their producer this like mysterious weird fucking dude named named Totsumi Kotaro has a history as a Hollywood special effects makeup artist. So, like, he knows how to do this. He's, he's on some face-off shit, and he knows exactly how to, like, make... Like, as long as you are a human shape, he can make you look human kind of thing. Um, which is, Which is a great touch because they constantly show him doing their makeup or, like, stitching them back together. Or, like, he's clearly done, like, a lot to these girls' bodies to, like, make them functional again. <laughs> But when we come in to meet all the girls, they are all introduced when they're still unawakened, when they're still just like mindless, wandering, just kind of like drool from mouth, head empty, no thoughts, zombie, zombie girls. And then by the end of the first episode, but by, by the second episode, I think they've all awakened, awoken rather, and they're all their original selves. Except for Sakura, which is interesting and the show does its best to kind of like remind you that that's there, but not focus on it. Except for Sakura and except for Yamada. And Yamada is for the entire first season and from what I've seen of the second season, much of the second season, just kind of a a weird comedy character who's like... A tamed zombie, almost, and like has has thoughts. She's no longer head empty, but head is not full. Is what I would say. She's like, she, she's like teachable, but not perfect. And from here, we start seeing all the different girls, and all the different girls are from. Not necessarily, they're not all idols, but they're all aspects of young women in popular culture. So, um, Yuguri is from, like, the Meiji era, and the reason why she's named Yuguri is because she was most likely a, um, like a courtesan like a or a Geisha, and oftentimes they did not have last names. So her name is just Yuguri. And they show her at some point In her full geisha makeup. And like she knows how to do it. She knows how to like walk in the shoes. The whole thing. And she's constantly like relaxing. Smoking a pipe does not give a shit about a whole lot. Um, But also is very like. When she encounters a computer for the first time. She almost breaks it. Because she's like what the fuck is this weird box. That produces light. I'm usually pretty chill. But this is a little weird. Um, And also she is. Noticeably. She's noticeably older than the rest of the girls. She's noticeably more, like, her body is more developed. She probably died in her late teens, early 20s, whereas many of these girls seem to die, like, smack dab in the middle of teenagedom. And, or, like, smack dab as, like, a middle schooler, or in one case, a grade schooler. And here's why I want to talk about, um, Junko Kano, because Junko, Junko, Is from a specific period of Japanese pop idol where Japanese pop idols were more akin to someone like Beyonce. They were more distant from their fan base and they were more. They were more something for fans to aspire to, not something for fans to always meet and relate to. Whereas in Ai Mizuno's case, she was part of an idol group that was a significantly more modern day interpretation of what an idol is. And she was, um, and, and she was used to going to doing handshake events and doing photo events and the things that you see typically in idol and in like, in like the background of nerdy anime now. And so Early on, I think maybe even like episode four or five, there's a big conflict around all of that and around the difference in approach between someone who was an idol and who was a solo idol in the 1980s and someone who is who was a member of an idol group in the early aughts. And just because the way idol anime usually goes. You don't usually have that convers. You're not usually in that conversation with idol anime. A lot of idol anime is like about an idol group right now. You don't necessarily see a lot of idol anime about idols from the '80s or about what is expected of idols now versus before. And it, I've seen a, I've seen. Probably my fair share, if not more, of idol anime. And it was really interesting to see that conversation happen and see the two sides of it. And see Junko be pretty hardline on being like, hey, we shouldn't do this. This is fucking dangerous. Also, we're zombies. And if they find out at some point, Tatsumi said like, hey, if you find out you're zombies, they will super kill you. He have like a like a um like a demo reel of people killing zombies in fucked up ways, and he's like, so um don't leave the house without makeup on and maybe shower a lot more because you guys are rotting corpses um but eventually, and mostly talktomy is used as like the primary source of humor he is like. ...physical comedy, he is beat-up comedy, he is everything in between. But every once in a while, they use me pretty... ...as the authority figure that he claims to be. And when I and Junko are having their issues in, like, in the early part of the first season... ...or in the mid-part of the first season... ...which is really the first conflict that's not placed for a joke... Um they've not played for a joke or a bit later when in like the second episode, which is hip, which is called hip hop saga, they use the kind of conflict between Saki and Sakura to basically have a rap battle to have a hip hop scene, to attempt to have a hip hop themed episode. Um, but the conflict between Junko and I is a very different thing. It's a difference of opinion and how you should handle being an idol and how you should treat your fans and how you should respect your fans. And what Tatsumi ultimately said to Junko, like you don't want to do photos. You don't want to do photo events, fine. We'll tell them you're part of your character. Like you just don't do it. And then in quick succession, she's no longer at photo events, but they're selling like signed glamour shots of her. Which is the which is really a great like demonstration of like teamwork and of what it looks like when everybody does what they need to do and every, and everything still happens the way it needs to happen. And from at that point on, it's a lot It's a lot of zombie jokes. It's a lot of, like, situational jokes. It's a lot of jokes using um, Kei Yamada as just, like, the source of comedy. And the source of misunderstanding. And it... The whole thing plays really well. And... They have this moment in the beginning of the first season... Where it feels like they might be... This might be technically an idol show, but it's going to be a genre of the week show. Like we've had... Like they have a thing where they sing death metal. Where they just scream their lungs out. Their dead lungs out. They have a thing where they do hip hop. And then they kind of just get into the idol anime-ness of it. where it's, And that's where you get the initial conflict of what's the right way to be an idol. What's the right way to you know, engage in your fan base. And once again, I haven't, I I have by no means seen the totality of idle anime. I will cop to that. But you typically don't see that. You see, like, them training. You see the montages. You see the camaraderie. And that's a lot of what it's about. But... In a way that I would liken to almost Beck, Mongolian Chop Squad, the anime, and even more so the manga, this show seems interested in bringing in the like specific fans that you see over and over again. So in the first episode, they play this like um, underground heavy metal club. Like, idols? These guys suck. And then they do, like, a heavy metal set and they, like, headbang like they don't have spines because, like, it doesn't matter. They're dead anyway. And they, like, inspire these two very clearly, like, metalhead guys who become their, like, lifelong fans and and, like, follow them to the ends of the earth. They become the typical idol fan. And, but they also become, like, an audience viewer viewpoint of, like, they, they show up to all the shows. They, sh- they And they make a point of showing these two guys at every single one of their shows and them being really excited. Like, what the fuck are they going to do? <laughs> they want us over. We, we are here for anything they want to do. All right. <laughs> and... That contributes to a a wider a wider scope than you get generally a slightly wider scope than you generally get in idol shows. And one of the reasons why they do that is because pretty quickly in the first season they start having conversations about all of these girls' former lives because once again all of these girls are fucking dead. So they. They're people from their lives, but also they make a point of saying like most of these girls are have not been dead for so long that there's no one left to to mourn them. I um, mean, even Yuguri, like she is a storied courtesan, like she she is like she is she's like in history books and shit apparently. So like people will recognize them and like people will like it, it becomes a thing the first time it becomes a thing is with Saki and you meet Saki's gang member friends cause Saki was, uh, was a member of a all female biker gang in Saga and the other the, the thing that this show is aiming to do is it's aiming to create an idol, a zombie idol group or a Tatsumi's aiming to to do is he's aiming to create a zombie idol group to save the Saga prefecture which like many prefectures that are more out of the way in Japan is suffering at this point it is on the decline so Saki was a was the leader of a biker gang in her time it's probably like the 1980s or something and in one of the episodes, you meet Saki's biker gang pals' daughter, and then you see Saki the, and then eventually you see Saki's the girl who Saki was friends with, who's just now a mom and doing her best, and, and but like it's not going well currently, and they play that episode out. Where it gets really interesting is when they get to Lily because. a lot of these shows choose not to deal with stuff because to, because why would they, because it's not something they need to be in conversation with, but also like more than that, it could get messy. And I, there was a podcast about, I forget who I was listening to, but it was, it was this podcast about specifically law and order. And if you've ever watched Law & Order before, um, you probably noticed the defense attorneys are just, like, portrayed as snake-in-the-grass assholes who, like, come out of the woodworks to like, to, like, fleece the do-gooding city from and, like, prevent justice. In most law shows, that's not true. But Law & Order isn't a law show. It's a cop show. And Law and Order, if you're paying attention, does not always portrays cops in really positive ways and in really positive lights, and that's why cops tend to love Law and Order in the same way that cops tend to love Dragnet because Dragnet had the same had a lot of the same deal and setup as um, Law and Order did. But because it's doing that, it just does its best not to do too ripped from the headlines. Um, storylines on law and order because that would necessitate that they deal with things like race inequality like gender inequality like poverty and how do all those contribute to crime and like all that stuff so it just doesn't But it, and the reason why I'm telling you this is because that it's that kind of like we're not going we're not going to touch this with a ten foot pole thing applies to media across the board. In most cases, however, the thing they're not talking about is the thing they wouldn't be talking about anyway. Because once again, this is an idol show. This is not like necessarily the place to talk about gun violence. They use these girls getting shot. As for comedy, multiple times, with the understanding they are zombies, they will not die if they're shot. Um, but the thing that they do touch on—they touch on gendered, early life gender dysphoria, mm-hmm. and you know, and being and being trans. And the character they do that with is Lily. And they do that with Lily's like backstory because they get eventually. This show is really not about getting to know each girl. It's you know each girl pretty well by the end of like episode three, but you you're getting to know their backstories. with the, With with the exception of with the exceptions notable exceptions of Tei Yamada and Sakura Miyamoto, who, to be fair with Sakura, you feel like you know her backstory. Like she was written like up until she gets off by a truck, she's written kind of like every anime girl main character that you think. And she, the, that positivity, in, there's positivity in her before she died and there's positivity in her after she is alive again. And so there's no, there's no beat skip there, um, which is a clever t- storytelling trick they use. But with Lily Hoshikawa, they tell you her like life story that she, she was a, she became a TV actress because she loved that her dad loved TV and she wanted to make her dad happy from the in, from inside of the TV and her dad was always this like big dude and her dad was, quit his job to become her manager and like help her and like do the right thing and he was doing his best and lily was starting to have body dysmorphia issues because she was going through puberty and she while she had always been a boy she wanted to be a girl and like there were shots where like you could clearly tell she had she she had she had male, she had male genitalia there were shots where she was starting to like almost have a five like have a lot of arm hair and like stuff like that. Stuff that little boys start to have once they're going through puberty. And she was it genuinely upset her. And her dad was just trying to do the best he could because she's now booked for all these different things and she's got commitments and they've got commitments and she's like he's like, they can edit that stuff out. You'll be okay. It will be okay. We'll figure it out. Please come out of your room. We have a shoot in five seconds. In like in like an hour across town and the way she dies is played as a joke but it's also really serious she dies from emotional shock when she gets her first face whisker <laughs> and when she comes out of that she's like it's fine now I'll, i'm never gonna grow up anyway i can remain a little girl forever literally but you meet this big hulking man who now who was who is her father who now has a scar across his eye like he's a yakuza he's like a mile high and a mile wide and he hates tv and they tell this really touching story of them reuniting as much as they can without it getting out that like oh hey i i may have revived your little girl as a zombie for nefarious purposes of revitalizing of of saving the rec center essentially I like Lily understands that, and they figure out a way to like reach out to him in a way that like he gets closure and she gets closure, and like he still shows up at their shows, and they you're led to believe that they kind of know <laughs> they kind of all just know and no and, and but they're all like we're all not going to do anything about this weird thing that's happening, and the and that go and that goes with and, and that that's kinda how they deal with both Saki and Lily. And then you get the conflict between Junko and I. And Yuguri is kind of left alone. She's kind of just like a character archetype. They rely on being the the adult in the room sometimes when it matters. And like Tatsumi can't pull his shit together, or you know Sakura loses her mind, or something. And then by the end of the sh- the first season, they pull almost a really ingenious bait and switch, because they set up this they set up this performance at this venue where Sakura realizes she has a fleeting memory of, because she once again she doesn't have any of her memories. She's a she's. She's fully awakened, but she doesn't have any of her memories from her past life. And so she gets really zeroed in on performing at this venue and doing the best she can, which becomes a workaholic and a perfectionist. And in order to kind of break her out of that, Tatsumi, without as he often does, without warning, just leaves them in the middle of the wilderness in a mountain, on the side of a mountain, and was like, I'll pick you up in a day. It'll be fine. In like three days. And it's great comedy fodder, but like the entire time soccer is still trying to focus on practicing the routine and getting it all down and it being all perfect. Meanwhile, all the other girls are like, so we've established that we can't die out here, but we can freeze solid and then need to be solid out, which would suck. So we're going to have to do some camping shit. And Sakura is entirely like, fuck that, no, I'm practicing. She's convinced, she becomes convinced that her memories will come back to her by performing on this stage and by it being successful. And she gets this drivenness that you've never seen in her before. And then once they get back from there and like they kind of talk some sense into her and bring her back down to earth, she's in a good place. She goes out for a run, and then, bam! Again, she gets hit by she gets hit by the same truck essentially, and she gets reset, like like almost like you like blew into a cartridge reset. She forgets everything that happened since she since she woke up as a since we saw her wake up as a zombie. I'm not saying she wasn't like a mindless zombie for a period of time since we saw her wake since we. Were reintroduced to her after she got hit by a car. And here's where they start giving you her backstory. And it's... Spoiler alert if you haven't told. But if you haven't figured it out by now. 36 minutes into this. It's soul crushing. She's not the typical anime protagonist. She's essentially Kotaru. She's essentially a female version of Kotaro. Kotaru. From Love Hina. She, like... Since mid... She spent her entire middle school studying to try and get in. She spent... She spent to try and get into her... To her first high school choice. And failed. She... She... Got the lead role in Snow White when she was in grade school. And then had... Was sick the day of the play and had to stay home. Like, time after time after time. When... She has been set to succeed the wor- the world has come out and pu- has come over and pulled the rug out from under her and just said no and just denied her that and denied her victories that not only did she not did she deserve but that she worked really hard towards and that she has always worked really hard in that driven way she was working and then it crushed her, and then, then the world would come to crush her. And you realize that she didn't awaken because she didn't have her memories. And so, what returns after what comes, what wakes up after she gets hit by the truck again is this deeply, deeply, un, unshakingly depressed. Teenager, a teenager who has done everything they can to lift themselves out of like funk and has just kind of realized it's not going to happen for them. They will always be this depressed. And through the shows, through the show's story, they have all these other. They have all the girls like intervene intervene with sakura they have and eventually all the girls like come together and like say like sakura who gives a shit if you're unlucky we're all what's gonna happen we're gonna die we're already dead it'll be fine we'll be fine the worst that can happen has already happened and this that's a kind of joke strain that's been going through this whole show but this is where they're like so what all the stage lights could fall on us That's why Tatsumi's here. He fucking stitches us back together and paints and puts face paint on us and we're just back up and running. It's fine. But then there's a moment. There's a little moment that shows you who Tatsumi Kotaro really is. And Tatsumi Kotaro is dressed in like this like bellhop uniform with like this full-on like idol producer like hotel manager with sunglasses on schnazzy getup for the entire time. And he has hilarious squid out of his pocket for his zombie dog, Romero, who's everyone perceives as being vicious, but Romero's just like, I just want people to pet me. <laughs> um, But... It, he's, he, he's kind of a source of comedy and a source of faci- Facilitation for the most of the show. And then there's a brief flashback moment that's meant for you, the viewer, not meant for even Sakura. Where you see that Tatsumi Kotaro had a crush on Sakura when they were in school together. And Sakura was so focused on her end goal of success that she never noticed it. Kasumikoro lended her used to lend her idol CDs and you kind of get a hint of what the deal is with him now yes he's trying to revive this pro- the prefecture but really what he's trying to do is he's trying to give this girl this, this person that he loved a win and a win that will stick and once you know that you understand why, you know, Saki, although she's technically the leader of the idol group, is not the leader. Sakura is. Sakura is referred to at in her her idol number is number one. She is number one. Saki is number two. And it's just as a person with a lot of disadvantages in the world, um, and also as a person with a lot of advantages in the world, but as a, as a person with a lot of perceived disadvantage in the world, as a person who is biracial, as a person who is, as a guy who's on the shorter side, as a guy who's disabled, as a guy who didn't do well, who is intelligent but did not necessarily like graphed on to the school system perfectly. I see people, I see their success. And I remember when I was working the first full-time job I had in um, design. I was working and like all by, I was friends with two of my female coworkers. I looked at them and I still look at them to an extent. I just see, and I like certainly see that they, Have had that they've like they work and they they earn what they earn and all that stuff, but they have had an amazing amount of luck. They they, in my mind, when I look at lots of people, they are so lucky. They like everything falls into place for people, and it can. But I have grown up the way I've grown up, and I have grown and I've was raised to perceive my life as normal. But when you grow up, especially in in a society where if you do all the stuff Sakura was doing, you're supposed to reap the benefits. You're supposed to become a like a prized member of society who contribute to society in meaningful ways. And Sakura doesn't get that. She doesn't. She it's, instead of being rewarded, she's grinded down. She. She essentially gets um, the Nate treatment from Gossip Girl, if that makes any sense. And what I mean by that, without the like awesomeness of Nate at the end, at the very end when he's running for, um, I think, mayor of New York. But essentially, at the beginning of the Gossip Girl storyline, Nate is the Golden Boy. Nate, and they call him the Golden Boy. I think in that show, um, a lot. Nate is going out with... Nate is going out with the hottest girl in the school who's not a psycho. Nate is... Like, he's from a super... He's from... It, basically, the Rockefeller family. He's He's got it all figured out. It, his whole life is in front of him. His whole life is... Perfect. But then, as soon as that show gets going, Nate basically gets... <laughs> fucking the shit kicked out of him constantly like yes all of his fr- people who are really his friends are still there for him and still like doing their best to help him but like against his ability to deal with it his father gets caught for insider trading and like his mother loses her mind and his life falls apart and everything he tries seemingly almost makes it worse and that's kind of what Sakura's life is like before she gets hit by a truck. And so she has every reason to believe that, especially since she doesn't remember anything previously, she has every me- reason to believe that she is not going to do well. Because having her memories essentially swapped out for old memories... She believes that it's going to be like every other time. Because of course it will. Now you, the viewer, through the way the show has done its storytelling, which is really intelligent here, know that that's not true. Know that she is like like all the other girls, ready to go. It will go really well no matter what happens. But the kind of ultimate display of all the girls caring about her and, like, being a... Wanting old... Wanting Sakura to, like, believe in herself and be who they know she can be is Tei. Because the thing that... It's Tei Yamada. Because the thing that the show... The thing that the show never really reveals up until now, but it reveals fairly and makes and it makes it for in a way that you're like, that makes a lot of sense, is Sakura has been kind of the one looking after Tay the most. Sakura has been the one who has had the patience to sit there and teach fucking head, like head empty one thought girl how to do all of the movements, the best she can. Tay, essentially up till this point, functions like of special need, like a special needs person, in a way. And and I don't mean that to insult people with mental or physical disabilities, certainly. But she needs more time to learn to learn all the movements and steps that they do, and it's like. She never gets it quite as sharp as say someone like I or someone like Junko or even someone like Saki, because she doesn't have that fine motor control yet to get there. And Tay gets pissed when Sakura refused to come out from the dump. because up until now Sakura has been the one largely like supporting Tay and like being like no like you don't have. We can't not perform with her, guys. Like we can't just like dance around her in a circle. That's not cool. She needs to be included, and that kind of like inclusivity makes the girl who's not an awakened zombie feel like they belong. And when that person, and when the person who did that for it refuses to believe in her, so just like fuck this, goes full rabid and like. Attempts to like get at her. <laughs> what ultimately ends up happening. is Yuguri is like okay enough of this shit. Smacks the daylights out of. um, Out of Sakura. And is like. It doesn't matter if you want to do this. You enter. You may not remember it. But you. We all made it. We all made a deal. And memories are not. And memories be damned. You're going to hold up your end of the bargain. And then from there, it's a steady climb up back to kind of not quite original Sakura, but a version of Sakura that is more what we're used to. And then we get to the last performance. The last performance is a disaster in a way that the performances before it have not been. All the performances before it have been kind of disasters it's a giant snowstorm in the middle of winter on a prefecture next to the ocean and the stage gets demolished and they keep performing and it becomes this beautiful... And the the songs in this show are also pretty closely seen to what the conflicts are. Like, at one point, Lily sings a lead song about, like, always being there for her dad and like all this other stuff, tearjerker and great but in the form of an idle bout ball- in the form of an idol poppy tune and their song this time is about riding from the ashes about rising from the dead it's about not giving up and they don't give up and it so i i haven't heard i haven't watched wake up girls ever but i've heard the fun thing about wake up girls is like there's a fuck-up idol group. Like, it's not just one of them that's, like, lazy and weird. It's all of them that are lazy and weird. But what this show is, is, and what this show deals with, is it deals with people who all died as a result of, like, fucking them over somehow. For Saki, she dies in a game of chicken. She... She... She fucking flies off the edge and dies in a horrible fire. For I, she was performing in a huge stadium and she walks out for a solo. And as she points her finger towards the sky, she gets struck dead by lightning on stage. For Lily, she tried to do something for her only parent who she loved. And then, by dysmorphia, took her and shocked her to death they haven't really dealt with U- with Yuguri yet, but I imagine they will. Tae, we don't know about yet, and Junko, they don't deal with, they, and Junko was doing her job and was being the, like, mega idol that she was, and she just, she was on a plane and one day didn't make it to a show. And then the Sakura, who life kept smacking her down. And as soon as she tried to get up and really go for it, life kicked her off the the ride. And it's a, it's a really interesting thing for an idol show. It's a really interesting take for an idol show. And in the second season, which I only just started watching, is it seemed to be much more about like getting Tatsumi back and like climbing back and climbing back up from a massive debt that happens in the, in between the um, first and second seasons. They just show you a quick rundown of like, hey, so we had this really super successful show and then we booked this huge venue and then we sold 500 tickets in a 3,000 seat venue and that puts in a lot of debt. And then Tatsumi started drinking because he saw he failed. And it's a fun it becomes it becomes a fun different thing at that point. But that first season is really interesting and really And deals it deals with regret. It deals with picking yourself up again. It deals with remaking yourself in an image that you want. That you want to believe in uh, they, they even have towards the end of the first season a um don't believe in you believe in the me that believes in you speech uh something like um like uh Guren but the the show is really interesting and I can see why why it went so well and I I walked up to episode two my Twitter icon infamously is of the hip-hop episode, the second episode, I believe, where Sakura's rap- rapping. Because it's just like, it's really well animated and it's a lot of fun. But this... This show has heart in... Not just in the way that idol shows do, but it certainly has heart in the way that idol shows do. But it also has heart in... In a way that lots of idol shows don't get to. Because lots of idol shows are not there to deal they're dealing with they're dealing with idols rising from like just a normal girl to becoming an idol they're not dealing with people who have lived who haven't necessarily lived full lives because they're all teenage girls maybe with the exception of Yuguri but who have lived a life and who have gone down a path and have been punished for going down that path in most cases, maybe with the exception of Saki, it to no fault of their own. And then get a sec then get a second chance. And then become the idols, the the pe and accomplish the goals they want to accomplish. On that note, if you like this po- podcast, new episodes come out every Thursday, every other Sunday. Thursday shows are more like this, they're more About a single property or a single film or something like that. Sunday shows, once again, every other Sunday, are more metatextual. They're more about, like, the industry, the fandom, the medium, all that fun junk. Sometimes they're just about art. Um, But, on that note, I have been Alex it has been Lunchbox Radio. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at lunchboxradio underscore podcast. And I will talk to you next time.